You, you went on from uh, William and Mary to Duke. Uh, you, you, you coached under the legendary Vic Blue, was one of the great college coaches of all times in that. And you, on that staff with you was Chuck Daly. And historians would tell us today it's the only time in the history of college basketball that one college basketball staff had two players off of that staff. I'm sorry, two assistant coaches off of that staff who went on to be elected to the Hall of Fame. And that was you and Chuck Daly, two assistant coaches to Vic Bubas. Tell us a little bit, one, what it was like to work for Vic and, and, and your relationship with Chuck Daly. George, Vic Bubas is the most organized man that I've ever met in my lifetime. That's saying a lot. Yes. Most organized guy. And you know the recruiting letters and everything. He's the guy that started all that stuff. And then you worked with the guy who took it to another right. level and Lefty right. drives out. Right. Because okay? right. Lefty was at Davidson when Vic was, and Lefty played at Duke. Yeah. Vic Bubas was an offensive coach. Could have been coach, general manager of the Chicago team in the NBA. Turned down all kinds of college jobs. Retired too young. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, was to the Final Four three, three straight years uh, with Tom Carmody, Chuck Daly, and himself coaching. Now, on the cover of Look Magazine, there is a picture of Vic Boots, and he's like this. And they have strings down on the court. So there's a picture of him and a basketball court. Mm -hmm. And it has nine guys, little basketball drawings of who they're playing for. And it says, the man in the gray flannel suit. And they do an article on him. Think about this. Look Magazine. Mm -hmm. It was Life Magazine and Look Magazine. Yeah. And they're talking about his organizational business skills because he was speaking everywhere to corporations all over the country. He was so organized. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. He really affected Chuck, Tom Carney, and myself. No doubt about that. At the end of my first year, he leaves, retires, and goes and becomes vice president at Duke. And then later founded uh, the, that conference, uh, the Southern Conference. No, yeah. not Southern, not Southern. <coughs> that other conference. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry about that. But anyway, he... The Sunbelt? Sunbelt. That's Sun right. Belt. He became the commissioner of the Sunbelt. Mm -hmm. Now, Chuck was the assistant. Now, Chuck was so educational to me. Now, Chuck brings up that picture of these nine guys. And he says, uh, my very first meeting, brings me into the board, and there's a board up there with 25 names, 25 centers, 25 power boards, 25 small boards, two guards, point guard. All of these guys can get in Duke. Now you got to decide how we're going to do this, so fun, so fun. So he says, now, at this time, if you remember, uh, the college board score was 800 mm -hmm. in the ACC. The black player 
was you could count them on one hand, all right? I, when I first got in now, okay, uh, there were very few black players in the league at the time, and then it opened up for, because a lot of the co they did not want to go to the ACC. They wanted to go to other schools, okay? All right, so Chuck brings up this point. He says, we have nine guys on that board. He said, name me two other schools that have nine guys in the NBA and the ABA. I said, I, I would assume UCLA. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, and he goes, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. He said, UCLA, North Carolina, and Duke were the only teams that year, and that my first year was going to be 1969, had nine guys playing at both leagues. So he says, but now here's the thing. Because of the academic level here, I said, because of what they're going to ask above, you have to understand that we are not going to get the super athlete. We have got to get the guys who are going to say that academically they can stay in school there because there's not going to be any phys ed, no recreation, mm -hmm. you know, which some of the schools had at that time in the ACC, and they're going to have to go to school. All right. So he said, uh, we'll take a guy a half a step slow. He said, now go back to the picture of those nine guys. They all could shoot. And then Chuck gave me his famous statement that he used to say all the time. Shooting makes up Right, multitude of sins. And I live by that, George. I'll tell you, Chuck got that. I, every team that I had in the pros after that, I would always have one guy on that team that couldn't guard, couldn't jump, couldn't do anything except for one thing. Score! He could score. Because we can always hide one guy. We can't hide two in the NBA, okay? But it was all Chuck. Chuck had a way about him. Chuck had a great eye for talent. And uh, I'm not telling you anything because for all of you out there, this guy right here, Ain't Lefty Drizel, took recruiting of players to a whole new level, all right, of working at their jobs, evaluating talent, and then knowing how the talent would mesh. Right? And we talk about this a lot. I'm not trying to embarrass you here, but this, uh, I really mean that with all sincerity. You, you, you had a knack. Well, that's how Chuck did. Chuck had that knack. Chuck, Chuck could... He could communicate with the great athlete, get his points across without ruffling the feathers of the player. He could do it at the college level and then definitely at the NBA level. And then when he did Dream Team 1, it was perfect. He was the perfect guy for Dream Team 1. They all loved him. They mm -hmm. loved how he, he worked that team and then playing the golf, how he handled the incredible, incredible egos on Dream Team 1. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. How many guys could have done that without pissing everybody off, George, okay? Uh, now, Chuck, Chuck had a gift. Uh, and, and you'll love this, George. He comes to me one day, and the two of us, we had these little, little three-bedroom, uh, one-floor brick houses, you know, in, in Durham, and uh, they were they were little, little, little carport. So he used to say to me, people say, "Boy, Chuck Daly was really a great dresser." 
And I said, one day he comes to me, here I got four kids, and he says, you, 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 you have bad ties. <laughs> he goes, you really have bad ties. So he said, I want you to come over, and he said, I'm going to give you some ties. Now, I swear to God, George, okay? I go over to the house. Now, as you remember, they only had Sydney, so they had the one bedroom. Sydney had her bedroom. And he had a third bedroom. It's all Chuck's boys. It's all the Chuck's boys. <laughs> okay. I knew that. I, I knew that I, was coming. But he opens the door, and we walk in to this third room. He closes the door. George, so help me God. I don't care what shop you go into. I, he had all of these times on racks and racks. He gave me 16 ties. And they all had the price tag still, still on the tie. Yeah. Right. Right. That gave you an idea of what, how many he had on that door. Uh, he was uh, to this day. You, uh, I'm a big cologne guy, and it started from Chuck Daly because Chuck and I were really good friends, and yeah. that. And he was an impeccable dresser, as we all, those of us know, him know. And he was big on cologne. And that, and, and Bill Foster, was, who later coached at Duke, he used to call him Disco Daily. And, and, you know, Chuck would come up to camp to speak, and he'd be all, everybody else have coaching gear on. Chuck would be dressed like, like he was coming from the country club and that, and he'd have that cologne. And that, I picked up the cologne thing from, 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 from Chuck Daly. But you talk, I remember times when he would call me and say, what time are you going to get into, in, into Scranton, uh, Wilkes-Barre Airport? or we'd meet in Pittston, and on the way up there was this little factory that made these uh, uh, Sansa Belt slacks. And Chuck and I would go in there and we'd, we'd buy some slacks and that. But I, I, I tell you what, there there weren't two guys that were more clothes hounds in those days than, than Chuck. We were like the salt and pepper of, of clothes, <laughs> of, 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 of apparel and that. But you, you know, it's interesting that you, you, you were making a logical ascension up, up the coaching ladder, and then you get to Duke, and all of a sudden you skip a step. You don't coach as a head coach in college. You go you go off and with Larry Costello, and 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 you 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 really find your niche in in the NBA and in the ABA and coaching and that. Uh, did you have a chance to be a college coach, or just just the, the right opportunity didn't come at the right time? George, I was at Duke for four years. During that period of time, uh, Vic retires at the end of the first year. Mm -hmm. Bucky Waters becomes the next head coach. Mm -hmm. We have the number one uh, degree of difficulty schedule. We were rated number one three years ago. But we kept going 19 and 6. If you remember back then, you could only play 25 games. Mm -hmm. So we, we would just always get 19. I never got an interview. Mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't get an interview. Now, I, I know this is going to sound dramatic, but this is really the truth. I made up my mind when that year ended that if I didn't get any more offers, I was going to take my family back to New Jersey, where we were very happy, coaching high school and get back in three sports. I, I just love coaching three sports. My daughter, my oldest daughter, was having her confirmation <clears throat> dinner 
and my mom and dad came down from New Jersey, and my uncle, who was a Monsignor priest and was uh, down in Pinehurst, uh, were at the table, and we had this big table, and we were all sitting around, and it was five o'clock on a Sunday. The telephone rings. Now it's the end of the season, I've got nothing. I go over and I pick up the phone, sorry Gusto. He says, Yubi, how you doing? I says, good, I says, how are you? I says, he says, good, he says, you know, he said, we have another good team and so forth and so on. He said, but look, well, I want to know something. What are you doing next Friday and Saturday? I said, well, I'm, I'm finished the recruiting. I said, he goes, uh, could you come up here? We're playing Kansas City on Friday night. Saturday night, we're playing the Knicks. He said, could you come up here? Uh, I, I want you to see pro basketball at, at Milwaukee. I go, yeah, okay. I said, but what are you thinking? He said, I want to see if you'd like to be a coach. I am holding the phone, George. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. what he's saying. To mm -hmm. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll be there. I go up, they kill Kansas City, they hammer the Knicks. I meet Wayne Embry as the general manager. So he says to me, well, look, uh, would you like, we go meet for the, uh, after the second game, we go to dinner. So Larry says, okay. He said, what do you think? He said, would you, would you like to be a professional coach? And I, I say, of course. I said, uh, but, but, but what kind of, what's the deal? He goes, well, you get 20,000. And in the second year you get 22 and you get four tickets for your family. And then you can get two for a car. Okay. And then the players vote whether you get a, a, a share. Now I'm sitting there, George, I'm, 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 I'm thinking I'm going back the high school basketball, okay? You know what I'm saying? And Larry goes on. But more important, my family is all in there, and I'm on the I, I, on the phone. I, I couldn't believe that. Now here I am talking with him, and he's offering me this job, you know? And I, naturally, I take the job. Mm -hmm. And uh, that year, uh, Kareem comes in second on the MVP, and then that was 73, and then 74, we have the best record Kareem wins MVP for the third time in four years, and we lose that incredible series in seven games to Boston. Boston beats us in Milwaukee because Lucius Allen, our point guard, did not play any of the playoff because in the last game of the season in Detroit, Dave Bing went up to block a shot, fell across, and he got an ACL. So we played without Lucius. But uh, uh, what an experience. When you talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar winning the MVP three out of four years. Oscar Roberts, at the end, but still demanding attention. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then Bobby Dabbitt, Bobby one of the greatest small forwards ever to play the game, mm -hmm. at both ends of the ball. Uh, you, we remember Bobby, right? Absolutely. And uh, what, what a team. But I, when I got my... Kentucky Colonel job after two years. Then when we merged, Atlanta, went to New York, and then when I came back, went to Memphis, first thing I talk about, I get the team in, and I say, no, look. I say, here's who I have coached. 
And I want, this is the first thing I talked about. And I explained the very first day of being a Milwaukee assistant coach, coming from high school and college. I could not believe how hard they worked. And it was the first session of double sessions for seven days. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, running the lines, they did uh, three tight, three wide, three tight, boom, 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 four on O, five on O, two on one, three on two, five, for 19 straight minutes. Nothing stops. Boom, 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 boom. The speed, George, the speed that they ran, I, it blew me away. So I said, there's no one in this room that has the talent of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Oscar Robinson. So you will always have a decision. You either do it our way or you leave. But you are not going to impress us with an attitude because we will never find you. You will always find yourself for your lack of professionalism because I've been with two of the greatest ever and they worked and you're going to work. I swear to God, George, I, that's my first thing of every place I ever went. Because mm -hmm. you got to set the tone. Mm -hmm. You're only there, why? Because it's a bad thing. Okay? And you got to set this, you got to set it straight up the time. George, that first year, I learned so much about basketball from Larry and all of his plays and his playbook was that thick. And when they would come back, they used to have to take a test. And then they had to take a, a, a run a mile. And then you had to take a test on the playbook for, for the coming season. Now, who the hell ever did that back yeah, then, okay? Yeah, yeah. And the playbook was so thick. I mean, I, I, I believe People say, you know, you make us tired with how much basketball. The assistant coaches, that, yeah. I said, let me tell you, you don't know what tired is. Larry goes, no. Yes. We would be together all day. And then we'd go home for supper and he would call. And here I am with my four kids, and he'd go, Yubi, listen, I want to talk about a new set for Danridge again, because we're going to be playing the Celtics, but Havelcheck is going to play Danridge, and so forth and so on. So how about coming up to the house? I'd be like this. I couldn't. I'll tell you, George, he never got tired. Mm -hmm. But that's that ability to go 4-0 in pre-med and win the highest honor of your college, you know, the Niagara Mountain. He was driven with excellence and perfection. Uh, it, it, we've all learned from so many different people. Mm -hmm.